0: Pray that the distractions, that the baggage that we bring in here this morning, we leave it before your throne. God, may we clearly hear your spirit. May we leave this place knowing that I encountered the presence of God. But we love you and we thank you. Thank you for loving us when we feel unlovable. Thank you for never giving up on us. When we've turned our back and walked away, you're there in relentless pursuit of who we are. It's the awesome God that you are. We ask this in Jesus' powerful, awesome name. And everyone together said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Good to see everyone here. My name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, if you walked in this morning, you should have got a bulletin. Go ahead, grab that out and grab the connection card at the bottom of the plate there, the plate, uh, the bulletin. Too much coffee this morning. And uh, go ahead and fill it out. If you're a first-time guest, you want to hold on to that connection card and take it to Radiant Cafe afterwards for uh, free drinks on us, just as to say, hey, welcome. And... Right after this service is our lunch with Radiant Life. So if you signed up for that, come right into the gym right after this service. If you didn't sign up, come right in the gym after service. We'll still take you. All right, it's just a good way to get to know us if you've been new within the last six months here at Radiant Life. And we got some gifts for you. So, hi. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> The worst thing a speaker could ever do is forget their words. We're on part two of our teaching series titled, The Adventure Awaits. And this week, we're going to jump into a question that I want all of us to answer with the people who are around us. And don't leave anyone out. Just think about this. Just It's a question to get us started this morning. What's one thing you love? It could be, oh, I love my family, I love my spouse, I love Michigan football, I mean, whatever it is. What's one thing in your life you absolutely love? All right, we got some good stuff going on already. All right, hey, go ahead, turn to your neighbors, just talk 83 seconds. What's one thing you love? All right, we got everything, something that we love, right? Something that, man, that just gets us, we love it. One thing I love in my life is the nectar of heaven, coffee, right? Anyone else? Coffee addicts, yes, and we are not ashamed of it, right? Every morning I wake up, I look forward to one of the first things is outside of a fresh shower is the coffee, I love the smell of it. I love getting my first cup and my second cup and my third cup and my fourth cup. I love it. And then I go to Great Lakes and get a cup. And then I come back here to my office and get more cups. I love coffee. I love Michigan football more than anything. Okay, whoa, that was a strong statement. Not more than anything, but a lot of things. I love it. There's things in our lives, we love family. We love our friends. Some of us may love our jobs so much. We just love, I love the adventure of life that I'm on right now. Maybe for you teens, it's like, I love school. (laughs) Yeah, right. Said no teenager ever. But we love things. I got a second follow-up question. to the things that we love in our lives is this. Would you give it up and follow Jesus? (laughs) she could hear a dime drop (laughs) would you give up the thing you love so much to follow Jesus now I know we're in church we're not in church, we're in a building you are the church, you and I are the church we're just in a building that we experience God together and it's easy to say absolutely of course I would but deep down if Jesus says give up your family to follow me, could you? Man, that's little really tough. So this morning, we're going to jump into a text that's part two of our The Adventure Awaits" and look at the truth about following Jesus. The truth is it's not always easy to follow him. It's awesome. It's the greatest adventure you can go on is literally surrendering your life to follow Jesus, but Jesus has some tough words to tell us. And if this morning, I came to get inspired, (laughs) you picked the wrong morning to come to church. (laughs) I hope you're still inspired, but we're going to look at some tough words that Jesus told three potential followers of Jesus. They were so tough, these three potential followers of Jesus decided not to follow him. It's that tough. So if you will, if you have your Bible, get it out. If you have your phone or your tablet turn with me to the book of luke luke chapter 9 and it'll be on the screen luke's found in the older testament or newer question newer here's another question why does pastor ryan call it older and newer anyone wondered that okay good well okay i'll answer it even if you didn't wonder it (laughs) too much coffee this morning um when you say "old," what does that tend to in our culture today mean? Obsolete, ancient. The thing is, our Old Testament is not obsolete. It's God's word. It's living and active. The older Testament is just, the Old Testament is just older than the newer Testament. That's why I use the words "older" and "newer." It's not obsolete. It is active. We gain so much wisdom from God's word in the older and the newer Testament. So there you go, freebie nugget for you. Alright, let me set us up. Luke chapter 9, and I was told after first service that in Luke chapter 9, my text slides actually say John chapter 9, but we are in Luke, so forgive me of that. Jesus is with his 12 disciples, the 12 closest guys who said, Jesus will go with you. Jesus picked them to follow him. When he woke up, You woke up as a follower of Jesus. When he went to the bathroom, you went to the bathroom. When he ate, you ate. When he went to bed, you went to bed. You did everything as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. You followed your rabbi, your teacher, Jesus. And these 12 closest people have been doing life three, three and a half years. And the awesome thing is now 2,000 years later, we are disciples. We are followers of Jesus. The only difference said this last week, Jesus is invisible now. It's the only caveat. But what's awesome is Jesus says, i got to go, but my spirit is with you and in you, and you have my spirit, and you're going to do greater and more powerful things than I. And that's what you and I. I often wonder when I get to heaven asking the 12 disciples, what was it like to walk around with Jesus? Like, did he randomly do funny things? Just random thing like did he did he part in front of you guys like i mean just things like that like I mean, he's god but he's human too you know just funny like and just just curious just curious what did it what did he do but i wonder if the disciples would turn and say what is it like to have the holy spirit with you yeah we had jesus and it was awesome but you guys the last words jesus says is the spirit's going to be with you And you guys said, it says you're going to do more powerful things and greater things than Jesus. How was that? And I wonder how we would answer. I wonder if we sit back and be like, "Uh, I don't know if I lived into that. And yet here is Jesus and his 12 disciples, and he's going to be approached by three men. and going to give some tough words to them. Luke chapter 9 verse 57, begins this way. As they were walking alongside the road, meaning Jesus and the 12 disciples, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Instantly, we have this conversation. This guy says, I'll go everywhere, wherever you go, Jesus, I will go. You go into the villages, I'm going to follow you. You Go up to the beautiful Sea of Galilee where it's resort-like. I'm going to follow you there. I'll definitely follow you there. You're going to go into the bars and pro- proclaim your kingdom? I'm going to go. You're going to go meet a woman, a prostitute by the well? I'm going to go. I will go wherever you go. And Jesus has these words. He replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place for his head." What is a den to a fox? Home. What's a nest to a bird? Home. Jesus is saying sometimes foxes can go homes, go home. Birds can go home, but me and the twelve boys, we don't have that. Now was Jesus homeless? Yes and no. Jesus didn't have his own house to say, "Hey, this is mine. This is my property. This is me." He didn't have that. What he did as a rabbi is people would support you. So as you went into town to town, they would know an awesome rabbi is here. Let's, one of the best gestures that you could do in the first century world is to welcome a rabbi into your home. You don't know how long they're staying, but it's the best gesture you could do. So they lived in all different houses. His main house that he lived in was up at the Sea of Galilee, up there. And he lived in Peter's mother-in-law's house. So yes, yes, Jesus did not have his own. Yes, he was in in that sense homeless, but he had places to stay. And this follower, potential follower of Jesus says, I'll go wherever you go. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you, I'm going to challenge the definition of home to you. If you're going to follow me, you have to redefine home. It's safe to say that this potential follower of Jesus walks away. It's too tough. Now Jesus flips the script. The second person enters the stage, and Jesus is going to ask this person to follow him. In verse 59, it begins this way. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Sounds like a good excuse, right? I mean, the, the guy is, biblical scholars will say the father's not quite dead yet because the son would have already buried him. He's probably in the process of dying. He's at that old age. And so the guy's saying, let me go back. And it's the highest honor a son could have is to bury your family, bury your mom and dad. He says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And our loving, compassionate Savior, Jesus, who loves you so much, says this. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I imagine the 12 disciples were like, oh, Jesus, don't say that. <laughs> I imagine them saying, man, we're gonna, he's going to kill our campaign. He's got to stop saying, let the dead bury their own dead. We will get no followers. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You said first you got to go. I'm going to tell you, let, let the dead bury their dead. You're going to come with me and proclaim the kingdom of God. And once again, it seems so insensitive, Jesus. Here's the thing. These aren't the most um, comforting words of Jesus this morning. So in fact, we've got one more scenario to look at. Why don't you give your neighbor a hug? All right, Just say, hey, I'm here for you. If you're depressed right now, just give someone a hug. We're a huggy church, right? Comfort them. We all need a good hug. Dave Northrup's the best at hugs. And Jesus encounters one more person. And again, imagine being the 12 disciples hearing Jesus. You're probably thinking, why is he saying all this? This isn't the Jesus we know. Verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. What's the next word? But... First, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. It's the biggest but in Scripture. Some of us know exactly how to respond like that in following Jesus. God, I will go wherever you go. I want to follow you, but first got, got to do some stuff. I, but first, I got to get my life together. But first, I, I, I got to clean up my act a little more. But first, I got to go do this. But first, we got to start losing our butts. That was great. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, Lose your butt. We got to lose it. Here's the thing, it's the easiest excuse we can give Jesus, but first let me go do this. But first my marriage isn't right, i got to clean it up, and and then I'm going to start going to church faithfully, I'll start following you Jesus, but first Jesus has this response, oh man, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. In order to plow, you put two hands on the plow and you go forward. Jesus is telling the guy, you're not fit because you have one hand trying to do my work while you're looking back and you want to say goodbye to him. You're not fit for my kingdom. Wow. Isn't that one of the most bizarre texts that you can look at? This isn't the one, this isn't the text when you're like, man, I'm really discouraged. Jesus, I I need some of your words. Oh, wait. Okay, not those ones now. (laughs) Let's find something else. Those are tough words. Those are tough. And oftentimes, I, I sit there and read that, and you feel bad almost. It's like, Jesus, are you trying to prevent people from following you? Or are you trying to get this Jesus movement off the ground that the kingdom of God is here? Let's go. Because if you are, it's not working with these three potential followers of you. Seems so insensitive of Jesus. Seems unfair. He just wants to wait till his dad dies. I mean, Jesus, can't he just go home and just bury his dad when that time comes? He just wants to say goodbye to family and friends, Jesus. just I, I think you could even in a little. I think something so much bigger is going on in this story. As you sit there and read, I wonder if Jesus is revealing something about himself to us. These words kept coming to my mind over and over as I read this. If you only knew. If you only knew what those three are missing out on. If you only knew how satisfying I am. If you only knew how fulfilling I am. If you only knew how extraordinary I am. If you only knew how great I am. If you only knew, you wouldn't feel so sorry for those three who missed out. And Jesus is revealing something huge to Not only is he revealing who he is, that he is greater than all those things, but I think he's revealing something about their those three potential followers of Jesus, their heart, that's oftentimes our heart. Think if Jesus would sit here and the disciples up on stage and he'd say, Hey disciples, what do you think Jesus is getting at? You were there when he's teaching all this stuff. What do you think Jesus is getting at? I think they may say this. Never hold on to anything tighter than you're holding on to Jesus. Can we say that together? Can we say that together? Can't talk with water in your mouth. Ready? One, two, three. Never hold on to anything tighter than you're holding on to Jesus. See, for those three in the story, I think the first is the guys holding on to home. Jesus, your words are a little too much for me. You say you don't have a place to lay your head. I don't know. Home's really important to me. The second person, family, is super important to me, Jesus. And you won't even want to go home and bury you. You're challenging my family. And the third, you're challenging my family and friends. I just want to go say bye. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, oftentimes in our lives, we hold on to things tighter than we hold on to Jesus. What do we hold on to? We hold on to our relationships. We hold on to family. We hold on to friends really tight. We get our sense of security and identity from our family and friends and we just want to, man, I just love them so much and we hold tightly to them. For others of us, it's our work. We just hold tightly to our work and maybe it's our status of who we are in our work. Maybe for some of you, it's your school and your close-knit of friends and your academics and what's the next stages of life. You just are holding tightly to those things and Jesus isn't opposed to those things. What he's opposed to is when those things are greater than he is in your life. That's what he's opposed to. So I think what Jesus is getting here is we must hold things loosely. Hold your family like this. Hold your friends like this. Hold your status, your job, your cards like this. But hold Jesus like this. Never just make a fist. You don't have to hurt yourself. But just make a fist. If I was to go around and give you all Michigan football tickets, okay, Candy? Did you receive it? fall I wonder if our lives—we are holding on to worldly things so tight that we miss the blessings that God has to offer. You're so focused on this instead of holding them like this and saying, God, I will hold on to you. Jesus giving you. Is Jesus getting that? Who's he getting think Jesus is also revealing something about who he is to us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, are you really more important than home? I mean, what's more important to the human soul than a home? Jesus says, I am. Jesus, what's more important than family for a human child to grow up loved and in a family? I am. Jesus, what's more important than family and friends who give us all the relational needs in our life? Jesus says, I am. I'm greater than all of What are you holding more tightly to? The things of life. Jesus are you really claiming to be that great Jesus are you really claiming to be that beautiful that incredible in your life and I think Jesus may say these words to us Jesus yeah I'm above it all beyond it all greater than all." we say those three together are you ready alright Jesus above it all beyond it all Greater than all. One more time. Jesus above it all, beyond it all, greater than it all. Praise team, you can make your way up. In our lives, do we truly believe this statement? Or do we let the things of the world go above Jesus, go beyond Jesus, and we think those things are greater than He is? Yeah, I believe that Jesus is so great. does your life represents that. Don't just give it words. Give your life action. Jesus is greater than that. He's above it all. He's beyond it all. He is greater than it all. Again, Jesus isn't opposed to family. He's not opposed to friends. He's not opposed to the things that you've been blessed with. He's not opposed at all. But he wants you and I to realize he's above it all, beyond it all, greater than it all. How do I get all this stuff? I'm following Jesus. How do you get all the promotions? I'm following Jesus. Jesus. How do you get the great hairline? I'm following Jesus. Sometimes, yes. But in our lives, obedience precedes blessing. And so often, we want the blessings of Jesus. But we're holding tightly to the things of this earth. Hold it loosely. Because Jesus is above it all, beyond it all. Great than it. Will you please stand? The team is going to lead us in how great is our God. I pray that you would embrace this song. That you would sing it from the bottom of your soul this morning to realize that Jesus went to the cross for you. He is above it all, beyond it all, greater than it all. He's above your struggles. He's above your addictions. He's greater than the things and blessings in your life. Jesus wants you to know, hold those loosely and hold Him tightly. Will you sing it together?
1: How great He are Sing with me how great God.